1976, a double band of chewed up asphalt that cuts a swath through the flats of southwestern Michigan. The scenery, if you want to call it that, crawls by. Hereford and Holstein cows moving only with their lower jaws, fruit stands, blueberries, blackberries, peaches, you pick them. Off in the distance, giant Sunoco and Union 76 signs craning above the treetops like rusty giraffes. Driving through the boonies like this is not my idea of a good time. I'm a city boy, been an account guy at a big Chicago ad agency for 30 years. Former account guy, I should say. I fixed that yesterday. Agency just merged with the New York shop. A lot of garbage in the trays about the creation of the new synergies. Yeah, right. Heads rolling down the corridors like bowling balls. Big shuffle at the top. My old boss retired. My new boss calls me in for a get acquainted meeting. He's maybe 30, shaved head, black silk mock turtleneck, carefully cropped Van Dyke, earrings, cute. Carl Short. Heard a lot about you, man. Bart Minnelli. I catch a slight look of disdain. Probably my suit. In my day, we had a dress code. Even the creators wore coat and tie. Nowadays, everybody shows up looking like lead guitar in a rock band. You've got quite a history at this place. Calmar Foods, Jessup Insurance, all the big ones. They were small ones back then. Listen, I'm going to be up front with you. Since the merger, the major account in this shop is SmartShip, right? They're the future. Smart cars, smart homes, appliances, furniture, even clothes. You think this earring is just an earring? It's a cell phone, man. This desk is my secretary. Nice legs. This whole office is going the microchip route. Unbelievable interconnectivity. Now, my question is, are you connected? Do I have a choice? You seem to be making one. You don't even have a computer in your office. I've got a date book and lots of pencils. You see? You're fighting it. Well, Bart, what is it I can do to show you I'm a team member? I'm going to be up front with you, Carl. You know how mergers are. We're double-staffed in a lot of areas, including your big account, Spartan Tools. I brought that account in. No one's denying your past contributions. It's just my future ones. Don't be so defensive. Look at the big picture. This agency's gotten huge over the past 30 years. Your profit sharing has got to be bigger than Fort Knox. Why not reward yourself? Take the wife on a long vacation? I lost my wife a year ago. Oh. So think of yourself then. Instead of breaking your pick on all this agency crap... Depends on what you call crap. If you mean working with people whose only interest is the award shows, stroking their own egos with gold chains and earrings, that's crap. Let's not get personal. Working with people whose only interest is the clients and making them look good, well, that's the kind of crap I'm good at. Does Forster know about this? Forster? At Spartan Tools, the client. Oh, yeah, I didn't talk to him. Well, it might be a good idea since he runs the place. He's turning it over to a younger guy, Sloan. Sloan is a weasel. He's the weasel we'll be dealing with. Tell you what, I gotta make a meeting upstairs. Think it over for a couple of days, and when I get back from New York, we'll work it out. He slips out before I could throw him through the window. I go back to my office and fume for a while. Sit at my smart desk. Probably here to spy on me, so I leave for the day. 
My wife and I bought a house in Evanston 20 years ago, raised three kids in it. After she died, I was thinking of selling it, a lot of upkeep, too much for a geezer like me. Real estate guy keeps telling me it's worth a bundle, but it's like an old comfortable shoe, hard to part with. Looking like an old shoe, too. Needs a paint job. I can tell old lady Stockman across the street is squinting at me through the blinds. I can feel her beady eyes burning a hole in my back. Don't get your udders in an uproar, Hazel. I'll get around to painting it. Maybe put up some orange aluminum siding. I check the mail. Bills plus the usual junk. And this pink slip from the post office telling me I've got mail waiting with postage due. It's only a couple of blocks away, so I swing by. The guy at the will call window shoves me a letter, hand addressed with fountain pen from E.O. Becker, RFD1, Porter, Michigan. Never heard of E.O. Becker or Porter, Michigan. But what gets me is the stamp. When's the last time you can mail a letter for three cents? Can I see the postmark? May 1944. I asked the mail clerk how this could be. He gives me a civil service shrug and slams the window shut. Dear son, the letter starts. <laughs> I figure what kind of gag is this? Got no parents, was raised in a foster home. Dear son, it's been many years since I've seen you. Now only a few years are left. If you're still interested in establishing a truly meaningful relationship, Please call or visit soon. The guy makes it sound like a real estate pitch. Bunch of crap anyway. I toss the letter. And get halfway out of the place and go back, fish the letter out, and make a call. City and state? Porter, Michigan. Business or residence? Residence, Becker. B-E-C-K-E-R. I'm sorry, there's no one listed under that name. You sure? E.O. Becker? I'm sorry, there's no one listed under that name. Okay, okay. I check out the town on MapQuest. It's on the western Michigan shore, not that far up from Chicago. So the next morning, I jump in the car and start driving. I follow the Lake Michigan shoreline east into Indiana, past Gary and LaPorte, then north up into Michigan, Benton Harbor, St. Joe. Finally, the Porter exit shows up. I take a winding two-lane blacktop road for about three miles, then pull into town. Well, town would be an overstatement. The place is a general store with a gas pump. Afternoon. Afternoon. Uh, looking for the post office. You found it. Oh. <laughs> well, in that case, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm looking for RFD1. Post office doesn't use that designation anymore. Well, that's the address I got on the letter. Well, that would be Lakeshore Road. How would I find the name Becker? Becker, 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 yeah. Red mailbox with a rooster on it. When you get to the Lakeshore Road, hang a left, about a mile up. I love it. This place is so far removed from smart chip technology, you'd need Lewis and Clark to find it. After I cross the interstate, the Lakeshore Road finally turns up. Don't see any Lakeshore, just woods. It's like I'm in an entrance to a sanctuary, spruce, poplar, and maple trees on either side of the road, 
reach across to each other to form a kind of welcoming arch. Behind the trees, unseen homes send out dirt driveways to proud mailboxes. The road really meanders. It's one blind curve after another. I'm having a tough time seeing the road, let alone the names on the mailboxes. So I never see where the guy comes from. But suddenly, there's this idiot in tennis whites standing right in front of me. I wrench the wheel to the right. The car skids off the road into a gully. For a moment, I just sit there, shaking. I don't see the guy. I got this horrible feeling he's under the car. I get out and take a look. No, no, he's nowhere in sight. Now I'm wondering if he was even there. All I know for sure is the wheels are buried in sand right up to the hubcaps. I check my cell, it's dead. <laughs> Beautiful. Shadows are starting to get long. I could walk the two miles back to the interstate, but I see a well-worn path coming from the woods, so I take it. Mm, a mistake. I turn my ankle on an exposed roof, take a header, and go cattywampus down an embankment. I take in the surroundings. I'm in a huge natural chamber. The ceiling is a canopy formed by the fanned-out tree limbs. I can see across a shallow ravine that slopes gently down to a slender creek. So I make like a lizard and scrunch down to the water. I take a drink. Oh, God, that's good. Some minnows are playing bumper tag in a tiny eddy. I watch them envious. The universe is so big, nobody can even comprehend it. But these little guys got it all figured out. My ankle's still barking at me, need to take down the swelling. So I work off the shoe and sock and stick my foot in the water. Ah, yeah, this is cold. It reminds me of the times I'd take my boys camping, we'd slosh through water just like this all the time. Hell, we'd even swim in it. I'd tell them ghost stories, scare them silly. A thousand years ago. God, I miss those times. Miss my boys. One's in California, the other in New Jersey. Both have their own families, their own lives now. Carl Short. I miss Emily more. Shame on you. What? Telling those ghost stories frightened the boys half to death. Best thing I ever did for them. They stayed wide awake all night. The next day they were too tired to give me any guff. Hmm. This is a nice sunset. Do you think we should sell the house? No rush. I think we should. It's not fair to you. Nonsense. I love this house. You do too. It's not me you should be thinking about. It's the boys. And don't deny it. You've been taking money out of their college fund to pay these medical bills. Things will work out. They always do. Sometimes I wish you weren't... Always so sure of yourself. Look at that. I love it just before it sets. Seems to swell up just before it squeezes down below the horizon. Hear it sizzle. <laughs> Thank you, nature boy. I'd like to go back in the house now.
Before we were married, Emily and I spent one summer hiking the Appalachian Trail from New England all the way down into North Carolina. Never once did I turn my ankle. The day is rapidly running out of light. Do I crawl back to the car? My ankle says, don't even think about it. I pot up some pine needles to make a kind of mattress and lie back. Hey, not bad. I've been in motel beds that weren't this comfortable. I must have drifted off quickly. I woke to a flashlight in my face. Hey, Jody, looky here. A dead body. Hey, for God's sake. What the hell are you doing out here, old man? Car went off the road. Where? Back up the path. Give me your keys. You're not going to be able to move it. Give me your damn keys. I'll watch him. You go check that car out. So what's your name, old man? Carl. Let me see your wallet, Carl. Let's see what you got. My, my. 50, 60, 1, 2, 3, 63 dollars. What bank you own, Mr. Carl Short? 269 Waukegan Avenue, Evanston, Illinois. Where's Evanston? Next door to Chicago. Chicago? You're a long way from home, Carl. What the hell are you doing up here? Visiting. Yeah, so are me and Jody. We could use a place to hole up for a day or two. So what's the deal? Fancy-ass car ain't going nowhere. You're stuck, all right. What the hell kind of car is it anyway? 98 Camry. Never heard of no Camry. Who makes that? Toyota. Toyota? What is that, a wind-up? And look at this, Jody. Man's carrying $63 in his wallet. Hell, we can move into a hotel. And what brings you two here? Our evil ways. Yeah, we're in a bucket of trouble. But we didn't do nothing wrong, except get drunk and bust up that bar at the same time this bank was being robbed. They never did catch who did it, but they threw us in the drunk tank. Then they threw us into a lineup. And the damn teller lady at the bank said we was the ones that robbed them. Bam, five years, jazz in prison, just like that. How'd you get out? In a laundry truck. How? We was the damn laundry. <laughs> You believe us, don't you? Does it matter? Matters a lot. If you buy our story, maybe some lawyer will. You a lawyer, Carl? <laughs> Sorry. You know any lawyers? Not the kind you need. You want a criminal lawyer. Why? We ain't criminals. <laughs> but you are thieves. He's right. Give him his wallet back, Jody. Mm. I mean, with all the money in it. Mm. Are we thieves now, Carl? No. See? We have never broke no law. Now, can you lend us some money? <laughs> I was thinking maybe $63 or so. Yeah, that's what I figured. Thank you, Carl. We'll pay you back for sure. What the hell was that? Dogs. God damn it. They didn't have much time. Off in the woods, I could see a flickering light getting closer. And then they came. Bloodhounds, guys with flashlights and shotguns. They've got the dogs on leashes that can barely contain them. They run upstream. Maybe they could still get away. Maybe they could grab some overhanging limb and hoist themselves up into a tree. There'd be no scent to pick up. The trackers would go right by them. Or not. I didn't sleep the rest of that night. When day broke, I got up and tested the ankle. Not bad. After about a half mile... It started coming around. 
Then I see her, a young gal in print dress, kneeling down, picking wildflowers. She doesn't see me coming at first. Oh. She stares at me almost like she recognizes me. For a moment there, I... Yes? What is it? Uh, I had trouble down the road. Car went into the ditch. Is anybody hurt? No, but my car stuck. You look kind of a mess. You sure you're all right? Fine, except I spent the night about a half mile back. In the ravine? If that's what you call this place. Did you hear the commotion last night? What commotion? A couple of boys on the run. Cops, dogs, shotguns. You didn't hear any of that? You hit your head. That's a nasty cut. Are you saying it was my imagination? Do you want to clean up? My house isn't far. If I could, thanks. Is there a tow service around here? Jerry's garage. If he's not out fishing. She leads, I follow. I like watching her hair bob up and down. And a nice swing to her hips. Kind of like Emily when we first started dating. I'm Carl Short, by the way. May Stoddard. You're not from around here. Chicago. We've got a pretty setting here. Yep. No matter how many times you come here, it always seems like the first time. The path takes us to a driveway bordered with white rocks and a two-story summer house. Doesn't look like much from the outside. Welcome to Green Manor. But inside, it's magical. All warm and woodsy. How old is this place? My grandfather built it in 1905. Mmm, you can smell the history. We've had a lot of good times. The phone's out here on the sun porch. The phone is an old brass upright with the earpiece hanging on a hook. You mean this? Where's the dial? You're not in Chicago. Well, how do you call? Here, let me. Alice? May. There's a car stuck a little south of my place. Could you try Jerry? He's at breakfast. Figures. Probably at the bright spot. Try over there. That's some phone service you got here. Not if you like privacy. Arlene? May Stoddard. Fine. How are the kids? Oh, gee, that flu can hang around, can't it? Listen, is Jerry there? Put him on, will you? Jerry's there, just as I thought. Can't let a breakfast go by without his onion cheeseburger. Hello, Jerry. It's May. We have a car stuck out by my place. It's a... What kind of car did you say it was? 98 Camry, white. A 98 Camry, white. That's what he said. Thanks. He says it'll be about half an hour. Well, thanks for your help. Did you know you're bleeding again? Nah, it's no big deal. You should wash up and let me put a bandage on it. I'll be right back. There's a bathroom around the corner. Brr, tap water's colder than the brook in the ravine, if that's possible. But it feels good even if it does turn my face blue. Ugh, what a face. Needs a shave, not to mention a lift. Up till now, I figured she saw something vaguely attractive in me, the mature older man. Now I realize she's just feeling sorry for an old wreck. The smell of coffee wafts by. I join her on the sun porch. Coffee, scones, homemade apple cider. 
and a bandage for that cut. Hold still. This might sting. It stings like hell, but I don't let her know that. There. That should hold you till you fall down again. Thanks. <laughs> I'm not that old yet. Just teasing. So what do you do in Chicago? Adman. Are you the one who comes up with all those crazy jingles? J-E-L-L-O. Did you come up with that one? <laughs> that was before my time. Strawberry, raspberry, cherry, orange, lemon, and lime. Good memory. No. Heard it last night on the Jack Benny show. You get old-time radio around here? I don't think so. So who comes up with these ideas? The creatives. That sounds like a fun job. Actually, we keep them in a pit chained to the wall. And we pour hot lead on them until they come up with something. <laughs> Speaking of hot lead, how do you like your coffee? Blacker the better. You know anybody around here named Becker? Sorry. Becker? E.O. Becker. I knew somebody by that name. Ed Becker. When you first came up the path, I, I almost thought you were him. Did he live around here? He died. Last January. Oh, sorry. H how did you know him? I didn't. I got a letter from him out of the blue. He signed it, Dad. Why would you answer it? Because I never knew my dad. Couldn't have been Ed. He was only 28. Funny, I, I could see you as his father, though. Are there any other Beckers around here, his parents? Just the old Becker house. Nobody lives there anymore. Do you have that letter? Yeah. That look like his handwriting? Yes, it does. The return address says RSD1. Is that around here? This whole stretch of road. And now look at the postmark date. 1944. And the letter came yesterday. Well, the mail's a little slow sometimes. A little? Over 60 years? I'm not sure I follow. It makes two of us. Well, that ends my little search anyway. So you never knew your parents? Nope. I was put up for adoption at birth. Maybe you're the right person to ask then. I need some advice. <laughs> I don't know that I'd be much help. I hardly know you. There are some questions you only ask of strangers. That sounds intriguing. First, I should tell you that I'm pregnant. And the baby's not my husband's. Oh. You sure? My husband's been overseas for a year. What happens when he finds out? He won't find out if I don't want him to. Neither will anybody else around here. I have a friend out of state I could stay with till the baby comes. And what then? Above all else, I don't want to lose my marriage. So do I fess up to the whole affair and take my chances with my husband? Or give the kid up for adoption? You know what being adopted is like. It leaves a hole, I could tell you that. Never knowing who your parents were, which means not really knowing who you are. But you outgrow that, don't you? Not really, but you adjust. Maybe it's better you don't know. Maybe it doesn't stop you from wondering, though. When I was a kid, I used to imagine three or four sets of parents a week, depending on what book I was reading, what movie I'd seen. I remember once I was about eight or nine, I was watching some horse opera starring Charles Sturette, tall, dark, two-fisted kind of guy. I was thinking, there's my kind of cowboy. And I came out of the theater convinced my dad had to have been like that too. Across the street from the theater was a little restaurant, and out front was this man looking in the window. A tall, dark, 
two-fisted looking kind of guy? You got it. Fate had brought me and my father together. I was absolutely certain of it. The guy goes into the restaurant. I run across the street and go in, too. He's sitting down in the booth next to a blonde who's been waiting for him. Great. My mother, no doubt. I was hungry and broke and feeling real good, not because I'd finally located the source of my being, but because I could order anything I wanted and my parents would pay for it. Anyway, the waitress comes up to take their order. I slide into their booth and order a cheeseburger deluxe and a chocolate shake. <laughs> well, the guy, my cowboy hero, looks at me like I was a bug. I say to him, how you doing, Dad? He cuts loose with some guttural curse and swats me halfway across the room. That was when I began to get the idea my real dad was never going to show up. But you're still looking for him. I guess I am. And you're saying my child will be doing the same thing. I think so. So I should have the baby and face the music, even if it costs me my marriage? Maybe it won't. How come somebody else is the father? I had a moment of weakness with an old friend. Must have been a heck of a friend. He was Ed Becker. We'd known each other since childhood, but it never got serious. But over the holidays, I was at a New Year's party. My husband had been overseas three months. I was feeling lonely. Ed was there, too. He got pretty drunk. Blurted it all out to me. How much he loved me. Said he didn't want to go on living without me. All this stuff. I, I really felt bad. I mean, I had had a few drinks, too. Anyway, th the next morning, I, I felt pretty awful about it. I set him straight. I, I told him there was no way. It was a little late by then, though. You realize this is a little odd. What? You're carrying the child of Ed Becker, and a guy named Ed Becker claims he's my father. But we know it can't be the same Becker. <laughs> that would make me your mother. Well, as long as we know each other so well, Ma, I'm still kind of curious about one thing. What? If your husband's overseas, why aren't you overseas with him? You've got to be kidding. He's in the infantry. So? In Italy. What's the infantry doing in Italy? Oops, I left the kettle on. In spite of the lovely setting, a kind of creepy feeling is starting to ooze in. I see a photo album sitting on a table in the corner. Old family photos, really old. Then I come to this yellowed newspaper article dated July 10th, 1938. Escaped prisoners shot. Catching up on our history, I see. That prisoner thing happened before I was born. I don't want to sound like a nutcase, but I saw them. Who? The convicts, Roy and Jody. Last night in the ravine. Just like the article said, they came through, then the cops came. And the dogs and the shotguns, I heard the guns go off. That's the ruckus I was asking you about. Now am I, I, am I nuts or what? You actually saw them. Well, it was pitch black, so I couldn't make out their faces exactly, but I talked to them quite a bit. They even borrowed 63 bucks from me. That was in the article, too, that they had $63 in counterfeit money between them. Counterfeit hell, they took it right out of my wallet. Well, whatever you say. 
Uh, I'm not sure I believe it either. I need to get back to my car. Oh, right. Jerry should be coming. Well, it, it was great meeting you. She comes to me, gives me a hug. Over her shoulder, I see a framed photo on the wall, a guy in tennis whites, like the guy I saw on the road. Who's this? Oh, I, I should have shown that to you. That's Ed Becker. How'd he die? He was crossing the road. And he got hit by a car. How did you know? <laughs> Carl? Carl! I need a dose of reality. All I can think of is the car. I tear down the path in the ravine. My head is spinning. I don't have any answers. All I know is I'm running pretty good for an old croc with a bad ankle. I'm back in the ravine and up the path, and there it is. You sweet, old, lovely rust bucket. I hop inside, grab the steering wheel, and just hang on for a while. My God, the tricks the mind can play on you. And then I hear the tow truck. A big Jerry's garage in bright blue letters painted on the door. A seedy-looking guy gets out. You are really in there. It's going to need the winch. Are you Jerry? Mm-hmm. How long have you been in business? Long time. It was my father's business to start with. Was it you May talked to? May? The phone? Nope. Well, how'd you know to come out here? Got the call on two-way. For a 98 Camry? 84 Civic. Already took care of him. Saw you on the way back to the barn. You know of anybody around here named Stoddard, May Stoddard? Oh, that May. Crazy me. Uh, that's what we called her anyway. When? When I was a kid. She was just this weird old lady who'd wander through the woods looking for wildflowers. How'd you know about her? Live around here. Couple driveways up on the right. After Jerry got me back on the pavement, I had to see that house. I follow the road around till I see the driveway. The same one with the white stones. I drive up. And the house is gone. In its place, three duplexes and a big sign saying, Green Manor Homes, open house Sunday, 10 to 4 p.m. I back out of there faster than I went in. Just to be sure the fantasy is over, I head back to the Porter General store. Thank God it hasn't changed. Afternoon. Back so soon. Do you ever find the Becker place? No. Well, that's RFD number one for you, I guess. You said that was on the letter. Could I see it? Sure. Right there on the return. E.O. Becker, RFD one. Uh, this says early bird real estate. No, no, no. The, the letter's to me. Carl Short. This is the car RT sort. It's the old post office code for junk mail. He's right. I rip out the letter. Dear sir, it's been only two months since we opened Green Manor Homes. Now only a few are left. If you're interested in a truly outstanding investment, please call or visit soon. I get the feeling I'm going nuts again. What did you do to your head? There's a mirror to one side. I see my reflection. And I see May's bandage still on my forehead. Looks like you forgot to duck. Took me three hours to drive up here from Chicago. I made it back in less than two, and I didn't slow down, so I hit the Evanston exit. 
Once I got back to my neighborhood, I slowed to a crawl, drinking in my funky, familiar neighborhood. I pulled in the driveway. House still needs painting. Grass still needs mowing. Good. Don't worry, Hazel, I'll get on it tomorrow. I checked the mailbox. Phone bill, couple of dividend checks, and a pink card from the post office. Mail waiting with postage due. was played by David Scott Milton, The Telephone Lady by Kim Clary, Manelli by David Nathan Schwartz, The Storekeeper by Lou Whitaker, Emily by Carolyn Field, Roy by Rick Sandak, May by Camille Wormser, Jerry by Doug McCormick. This copyrighted sound recording was written, produced, and directed by Theater Dave. I'm Pat Collins.